Hello, welcome again to the Comic Connoisseurs. Tonight we're going to be talking about Moon Knight, uh, the Disney Plus series. Uh, a very, very, very brief history and overlook of the series and the character as a whole. And uh, first of my co-host, JD for Saskatoon. Good evening. Uh, Red's going to be out for a little while. We hope to have him back sometime. But uh, yeah, we're going to be a duo for a short while. We're going to try to see if we have a temporary third chair once in a while. But uh, we don't have any good recommendations yet. Uh, Maybe if you want to pop in, just send us a message. Um, so, Moon Knight, the uh, Disney Plus series, has ended, and uh, I don't know, it was kind of bleh. I don't think it was bleh. Like, I really enjoyed it, but there were what I feel were missed opportunities. Beats. Well, missed opportunities, but it was for part of the story, so I kind of, like, okay... And, and we'll definitely get into that. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, though, Ben, what, what was your first, uh, ex, like, where did you first meet, you know, Mark Spector Moon Knight? Okay. Um, I've read comics most of my life, and I've seen him show up as a supporting character in several books. I never read his solo title because he never really interested me. Uh, he just felt like a third tier attempt at DC to try, at Marvel to try to create Batman. And he never interested me like Daredevil did. He never captured my interest like Spider-Man did. He, he was just... And he didn't even have like that raw edge that uh, the Squad Supreme Batman XP had. Nighthawk? Yeah. So it, it, it's like... It's like... Eh, okay, he exists. He's a thing. Um, the only time I really like saw him do things more... And I actually wanted to learn a little bit more about him was uh, was when I first played the the Wii version of Spider-Man uh, Web of Shadows. Never played that one. Uh, the game had a very weird morality system of you know red costume versus black costume, and that's how they did morality in it. It you know with every game that... back then had morality choices. You know, Mass Effect had the uh, Paragon Renegade, etc., etc. Um, go ahead, JD. Wasn't that the one where the main thrust of the story involved Venom and the symbiotes or something like that? Yes. Um, okay. And there was a part where you needed to go to uh, the the, uh, the raft to break out the tinker to create an anti-symbiote thingy. And you could either choose to have uh, um, Vulture or Moon Knight take you to the raft. And that was the moral choice. And, and you had this scene where I don't know who was voicing Moon Knight, but he tried to do a deep, booming voice. And he talked about how Khonshu uh, weighed the, uh, you know, weighs good and evil and justice and injustice. And you can't, you can't even pretend to uh, team up with uh, with someone like Vulture or else you're going to you, you're going to unbalance the scales or some shit. Yeah. And I thought that sounded really weird, but I'm kind of interested now more than I was before. Um and Moon Knight is one of these characters that because just from the history is never really did super well that he never had solid uh um, continuity. So, basically, the new writer got to do what he wanted. There was like a rough Cliff Notes outline of what the character was. In the beginning, he was essentially the standard copy-paste millionaire philanthropist that that's working the streets to fight crime and etc etc and the other personas weren't even personas they were just basically like you know it's like batman has matches with malone so you know mark Spector has two matches malone's yeah and he's got jake lockley tough cabbie whose ears to the street and hears all the dirt and stephen grant who's this billionaire financier who took you know the not minuscule chunk of money that Mark Spector's mercenary career, because Mark Spector is a former Marine turned mercenary and parlayed it into this, you know, Bruce Wayne-esque fortune. Yes. Um, 
And I have to say that there are things I like and there are things I definitely hate about Moon Eye as a whole. As I said at the beginning when he was first created, it was basically, let's try to make another Marvel Batman. And there was lots of stumbling along the way, lots of groping in the dark, as it were. Um, the mystical side of things almost was non-existent. Almost non-existent. Like, other than being a motivation, I don't think it was even really there other than like, like almost the same as the bat breaking through the window. Well, yeah, because see, Mar Moon Knight has gone through so many different phases, yes. moon puns, yes, uh, over the years. Uh, and well, my first experience with Moon Knight, and th this is not a word of a lie, Ben. This is not a word of a lie. My first experience with Moon Knight was the issue of the Moon Knight Fist of Conchu series from 1985, where the villain was Arthur Harrow. Oh. In the And this is the characters, and we should, if you haven't heard this in any of the many talk piece videos and video essays that have been made about Moon Knight over the last year or so leading up to the series, folks, Arthur Harrow appeared one time in Fist of Conchu. He had this nerve damage grimace so he, he had like that kind of a jonah hex like profile on the one side because of this uh, medical condition and he was this german scientist experience experimenting on uh, venezuelan people in this aztec temple in the middle of the jungle because comics and I should mention, Fist of Conchu is the second Moon Knight series, and this is the one where the heavy mystical vent really got into the character, where, you know, he got these ancient Egyptian weapons, which were later or intended to be the result of Hawkeye being trapped in ancient Egypt in an Avengers story years ago. And the, the more full the moon is, the stronger he gets. And that was my first experience with Moon Knight. And over the years... I, I haven't dabbled too much in the original uh, Doug mentioned Bill Sienkiewicz series from 1980. Uh, I read the 2006 series that came out just prior to Civil War, and I've kind of been stuck on Moon Knight because I've always like I like the idea this this very Pulp Fiction kind of Moon Knight. So like the origin is he was this former mercenary or sorry, former Marine turned mercenary. He goes out in this one mission with his best buddy, uh, Jean-Paul Duchamp, a.k.a. Frenchie. And that's a nickname Frenchie gave himself in the comics, so you can't really talk shit about a white man calling another white man that. Undertaking orders from Raoul Bushman, or just Bushman, who's this psychotic mercenary who's filed his teeth to points, and he's got this, like, death mask tattooed on his face. And they go to bust up this Egyptian... Uh, archaeological dig where Moon Knight meets Marlene. I think, is it Alarun or Alarun? Do you know how that name is pronounced? It's Alarun, but... Uh... Yeah. So, Bushman shoots Mark Spector. He wanders out into the desert, finds the long-headed temple of Khonshu, Egyptian god of the moon, and he dies and then wakes up three minutes later claiming he, he's made this, con this uh, contract with Khonshu to be his fist of vengeance in the world and he takes this cloak off of a statue and goes out into the night to fight evil and i always liked that initially like reading that first like fist of conchu stuff and then eventually like in the last few years having gone back and gotten the original series in digital form through comiXology you know before it all went to hell mm. and i really like that pulp fiction inspired moon knight specifically there were two miniseries in 1998 and 99, uh, and they're both Doug, uh, written by Doug Mensch. So you know, he came back to the character after that horrible early 90s series, which ended with Mark dying in an explosion to prevent the Hellbent, which is this heretofore unknown genetic offshoot of humanity, because in comics in general in the 90s, everyone was some sort of genetic offshoot of humanity. It's the only way people could come up with powers instead of, you know, actually trying. And that really reflected, like, the early Moon Knight thing. Now, the thing, you know, that a lot of people know Moon Knight for, folks, is he has 
disassociative identity disorder, which was once mistakenly called multiple personality disorder. And I like when with the little bit in the original run, Ben, how they touched on that, where he's, he went full method actor, you know, he went, uh, it's a horrible movie, but I like this tidbit. He went full Jared Leto, like Jared Leto reportedly on the set would go to the bathroom on breaks between filming, but he would only go in a wheelchair or actually use his uh, crutches that Dr. Morbius would use before he became a vampire. And that's kind of how I took Moon Knight to go like that, how he would slip in between Jake and Steven and Mark and back again until I think it was in the 90s series, although I'm pretty sure it didn't happen until the 2000s series that they really laid into the whole he's got voices rattling around up there. Probably. And uh, see, I have to admit that most of the Moon Knight series that came out after a point, I just sort of tuned out because they were all, they leaned heavily on the multiple personality disorder. The, is he crazy or is there actually a Khonshu thing or is, is, is he doing a Tyler Durden? Um, yeah. And, And I always said that if they did a Moon Knight series or movie, they should shoot it like Memento. And I feel like the Disney Plus series kind of attempted that, but failed very badly at following through that concept. Because um, because the idea is, is, you know, Stephen Grant in the comics is this billionaire playboy philanthropist. And now he's like a stuttering, weak-willed uh, gift shop cashier. Yeah. And well, go ahead. Well, I mean, as we get into the show here, folks, like, yeah, Steven's this, you know, milk toast. He's got this weird, you know, almost Christopher Lambert-esque accent. Like, you just can't tell where he's from. And... As I watched the series, as we went on, I kind of thought, okay, they're obviously they're not doing one-to-one from the comics. And then I was watching this video where an actual psychologist was talking about how they approach DID in the series. And he says it's still a very much Hollywood interpretation, but it was more nuanced than he would have expected. And the idea of Stephen being this softer, more caring individual, not being the billionaire financier, is related to the whole uh, Freudian id, ego, super ego, ego, and super ego. And so, like, he's the super ego. Mark is the ego, and Jake and Jake Lockley, who we do meet in the series, is very much the id, you know, the subconscious, the repressed urges, you know, all about gratification. So, so I kind of like what they did there. So my my big uh, my big issue with watching it is is uh, and th- I'm gonna just quote something I've I've heard an unrelated thing because I watch lots of videos on ancient religions. Um, the position of an Egyptologist is the most uh, is the most uh, pitiable position for any archaeologist because. You're dealing with a field where everyone thinks they're an expert. Um, I'm saying this based on the fact that uh, that everyone has heard like the basis, you know, the sheer basis of uh, the Egyptian uh, mythology. It's the same with Greek mythology, Roman mythology, where you hear the basis of it from just cultural osmosis through the zeitgeist, uh, from watching like. You know, in the 90s, the Kevin Sorbo Hercules or or the Disney Hercules or, or you know, to, to go even further down that path, you watch. Uh, you, you watch Stargate SG-1 and you get like a really, really watered down version of of who the Egyptian gods are and what their names are and what their positions are. And this not only extends to. Uh, to the Egyptian ancient religion, it extends to other religions. A great example of this is 
is political commentator. Uh, and I know this is a a segue, but I promise I'm going to circle back to it in the end. Uh, political commentator Bill Maher uh, incorrectly states that Horace shares uh, shares a, a common myth with Jesus. And he states these based off of uh, uh, Man Blavatsky's book from uh, the 1600s, I believe, 1670s, that claims that Christ is a myth. And uh, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm not saying this pro or anti-Christian. I'm just saying that this is a known lie in the in the world that Horus had 12 disciples, was born December 25th, and was in immaculate birth. These are all lies because it, you could actually find the the hieroglyphics of Horus's creation, and there's actually a very specific. Uh, and I don't know how I know this, but there's a very specific hieroglyph for semen, and it is in Horace's creation myth. Um, and like I said, people say things with such confidence about the Egyptian mythology and are completely wrong. So when you are creating anything based off of the Egyptian myths, Khonshu, Etc. Etc. You have to make a decision: Are you using it as a very rough basis, and are just coloring outside the lines just to have fun, like Jack Kirby did with Thor in the Norse mythology, or are you trying to like dig deeper, go into the meat of it, and try to make it actually apply, but with with like the Obi Wan a certain point of view kind of tilt to it. Mm-hmm. And I say this because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I, my Egyptology is very rough and rusty. Um, Khonshu, Khonshu the Egyptian god. Um, let's see here. He is the god of the moon. He is also the god that protects travelers, correct? That much is correct, I do believe. So he's the god of the moon and travelers. And... Uh, and this goes into something else in the ancient world that we I have to mention is there is a concept in the ancient world about travelers, and it's a concept called hospitality. And you'll be like, what does that mean? Because hospitality is a thing today. Um, again, I apologize for all the segues here. Um, in the olden times, when you have a weary traveler traveling and they knock on your door. The concept of hospitality means that no matter who the travelers, no matter where they're going or coming from, you take them in, you feed them, you 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 open your house up to them. That that's the concept of hospitality. And I am pretty sure that Khonshu is an embodiment of the concept of hospitality as well, not of the hearth or the home, but just of the hospitality to a traveler, the protection of travelers, um, and. Uh, what do you know about the ancient concept of hospitality, JT? Pretty much what I've learned from you over the years. Ah, well, there there are several different uh, things that pop up in in the fiction about the concept of hospitality. Um, uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, there was a movie in the eighties. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the the movie who was in the movie 1988 the the beast the movie was called the beast okay nobody that's famous is in this movie um i'm just bringing it up because the, the this takes place in afghanistan in the 80s and not in the 80s but earlier in the 80s where the idea is a, a russian tank crew is stranded in the Afghanistan Afghan desert, and uh, one of them is left behind to die, and he is found by the Afghan fighters, and he's able to not be stoned to death because he remembered a word that an Afghan taught him called Nanawate, which is basically okay. a call for mercy, basically saying I am I am prostrating myself upon you, and and I am I am open to everything. Uh, you know, and I'm begging for protection. And the idea is, if someone does that, you have to bring them in, feed them, clothe them, and protect them. And this is not 
a concept that is unique to just the Middle East, Afghanistan, or that side of the world. Um, um, you know, Scotland had a very similar concept of protection. The Norse had it too. Uh, the Greeks had one too. Uh, what's it called? Uh, so it's not native to the Middle East, but cultures all over the world have some variation of this idea. Yes, of, of a traveler or someone who prostrates themselves upon you uh, has to be uh, has to be protected, um, and I believe that that is part of Khonshu. I, I can be very very wrong, and I and I'm welcome to being corrected. But the con but again, the idea is every different god has a role that has to do with their with the function of people in that in that ancient world. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is in Moon Knight, and this is skipping ahead of the series, um, there is an Egyptian goddess of, uh, of women, families, and fertility called uh, Terawet. And yeah, the, the hippo lady. In Terawet, what did I say? Women, families, and fertility, right? I think that's what they mentioned in the show. So what is not in that list? Protection. Protection and ferrying of the dead. You know whose god that is? Conchu? No, Anubis. Yeah, we never did get a lot of Anubis references in the series. Why, why, why is Anubis not ferrying the dead to the to, to the field of reeds? That that's his fucking only job. It, it would be like it would be like this. It'll be like uh, it would be like you're watching uh, a Greek movie, a movie that takes place in Greek mythology, and you have a guy die, and it's not Sharon taking them to to uh, to uh, to the underworld. It is fucking it, it is fucking uh, oh Hestia doing it. And see that sounds wrong to you, doesn't it? That sounds so wrong. You just went, you. Why is Hestia taking someone, ferrying someone? That's Sharon's job, right? And well, clearly, because, they weren't counting on people to pay attention this much. But what I'm saying is, Greek mythology is so much more known in the zeitgeist that that just sounded wrong to you. Yeah. So Terawit is just as out of place ferrying people to the dead as Hestia is. Yeah. And again, that that's part of the whole um that's part of the whole thing about you know, an Egyptologist's job is very enviable because people only understand Ra is the sun god, Anubis is the death god, and some people who know what the Moonlight comics are know that that Khonshu is the god of the moon and travelers. Yeah. I and mean, clearly they didn't expect many people to go this deep in the actual lore, which I kind of went with the idea that even way back when with uh, mentioned Sienkiewicz, like they, you know, they glossed over, like they, they did some level of research, but only enough for like the good story beats. You know, it's like when you talked about Hercules earlier, uh, they, even in the, the Sorbo Hercules series, they did have the whole thing where Hercules goes mad and may or may not have killed his wife and kids, which is something from the actual mythology that you never see in, you know, Disney's Hercules or, you know, even that rock movie from a few years ago. So, I mean, it's just whenever adapting stuff like this, there, there's always this, I know there's always going to be this cherry picking of ideas. You know, it's whatever is more narratively, you know, expedient. But, you know, you go back to like Anubis is like, why not have Anubis on the ship? But, well, then, you know, they didn't have it in the budget to have this, you know, Egyptian dogman steering the ship while Tawarit was in there talking to Stephen and Mark which 
But Twilight is specifically, you know, protector of uh, children, women, and families, the feminine. And Mark Spector and Stephen Grant are most definitely not the feminine. Um, it, it, well, clearly there wasn't as much cultural, uh, what's the word, not, not bias, uh, forethought, maybe. Like, they, they didn't put as much thought into this as they should have, but clearly to where it was put in there for reasons that we don't know. Uh, but, you know, when you get back to the show, I mean, just to talk about some of the stuff they adapted from Marvel history, like you have, you know, of course, Oscar Isaac playing Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and Jake Lockley, you know, and he, everyone looks at him. He's like, well, he's just really tan for a dude. It's like, no, he's like, uh, was it Peruvian and Cuban? I think is his, you know, his ancestry. But you know, he's kind of got that swarthy look, so it kind of works for his acting. You have the May Kala Maui. I hope I pronounced that right. Who plays Layla? Who is she's kit bashed from. Marlene from the comics and her father is a direct reference to this uh, character called the Scarlet Scarab who showed up very briefly in the Invaders comic from the 1970s, which featured on, you know, Captain America and a team of heroes fighting the Nazis in World War II. And, you know, kind of kitbashed them together, you know, because overall with like one of the showrunners was this guy, uh, Mohammed. Uh, was it Dieb? I think that was his name. The, he's one of the showrunners on it. Uh, like, there was a concerted effort to not, like, make it more influenced by Egyptian culture and mythology, despite all the things they got wrong. You know, it's to have characters in there that kids of Egyptian descent can look up to. So that's why we have Layla who becomes her own version of the Scarlet Scarab by the end of the series. Um, and, and I got to ask you, right, like, what did you think of how they just took this so obscure character, like, and, and like the literal definition of obscure character in Arthur Harrow. And aside from the name, there's nothing about this character that in the show that is like that character, like for, First of all, like Ethan Hawke's performance as Harrow, I think is top notch. I don't think there's a lot, any, very much wrong with that. I think what they wanted to do was have a cult leader, and that's the only thing they had going. So it could have been literally anybody. They could have they could have thrown a dart in the Moon Knight books and picked in anyone they hit could have been the cult leader character they wanted. I mean, that's true, but I, and that's the first thing I knew like, is like Arthur Harrow. Cause again, it went all of a sudden like screaming from the depths of my subconscious. I know that name. That's I get why that they reference. did it. That's why they did it. Yes. It was all for me. What, it what was I'm for the to, name. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at is, is like, they, they like, okay. They went through like the list of enemies that, you know, why he would even be on that list is a mystery to me because he's literally one comic and never used again. So they got this name. It's a cool sounding name. And they create this whole new version of Harrow in the show where, I mean, looking at the wiki, uh, talking about wh who they, because even Ethan Hawke got like not necessarily a writing credit, but he worked with the writers to craft this character. So he said, you know, there's elements of Koresh, Castro, Jimmy Swaggart, uh, Joseph Mengele, who's like the one of the go-to Nazi villains that isn't Hitler when you do something with Nazis in World War II, and uh, even aspects of Steve Jobs, who apparently people don't like, which I had certainly heard of before, but did not think he was a cult leader. But... I mean, I like the stew they came up with to create this character. So overall, what what did you think of Harrow in the show? I think Ethan Hawke does a fantastic job. I think he's a fantastic actor. But uh, again, this character is, in name only, 
for the member berries of the people who've read Marvel Comics. That That's what he is. They could have created a completely new character game and name like Jacob uh, Smith, and it would have had the same effect in the narrative. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, I really liked what they did with Harrow. I, I would have, because, and I did a little more research than normal folks, and, you know, I gave Ben the list I made of, like, you know, stats on the comics and, you know, runs and all that. But when you look at, like, that list of villains, Ben, now, they certainly mention Bushman in the series, especially once you get to the fifth episode and they really, you see, you actually see the origin, you know, the the attack, well, the aftermath of the attack on the archaeological dig and, you know, Bushman, this one has been uh, kind of retroact, like he, he was the leader of this mercenary band who, you know, shot Mark, but you never actually see him, which I think... Uh, probably a wise choice because like i said he's this very visually distinctive character and that you would have had to have at least another two episodes of series just so we could get something with him so i think that's why they didn't use him but they certainly mention him but you have guys like black specter who's this politician and a murderous crime lord you, you could have taken you know, we got midnight man which is the anton dude that we meet and that was at the third episode and the actor who played him sadly passed away in a skiing accident uh, before the show came out. So there were plans to bring that character back that they're probably never going to bring him back now whenever they use Moon Knight again. But the one character they could have used from his history that could have had a huge impact on the story, I think, and certainly could have put even even darker shine on the machinations of Conchu, as we find as the series goes on, was Shadow Knight, who is Randall Spector, Mark Spector's brother. Uh, originally, when he showed up in the comics, folks, uh, Mar there was a very brief run uh, when Marvel did black and white magazine-sized comics in the 70s. Moon Knight uh, was a backup feature in the Incredible Hulk magazine for a short time, where one of the villains he faced was his psychotic brother, who was an axe murderer called the Hatchet Man because he was going around killing women because he was crazy. And he showed up later in the Mark Spector Moon Knight series in the 90s as Shadow Spectre, and again during that horrible Daredevil Shadowland crossover a number of years ago. But they could have had him, because like in the show, and spoilers if you haven't seen the show, and I, I think it's fair to give spoilers, right, Ben? It's only been like, what, a week since the show finished? I think spoilers are fine. Yeah. So part of Mark's origin in the show is he it's like the comics. He's the son of a rabbi. He's got his loving mother, his younger brother. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go for a walk. Mom, okay, don't, don't go in the caves if it starts raining. And, of course, these kids start going in the caves, and then it starts raining. And Mark's brother dies, and this is the origin of his DID in this series, that his mother loses her shit and constantly blames and emotionally and physically abuses Mark to the point that he develops Steven as an alter. Because the first time we see Steven come out when he's a kid, he's like, well, we can't have this then, we can't have a mess, and he starts cleaning up. He's a nurturer, a carer, you know, for Mark. And he... It's assumed, although we don't get a lot with Jake in the series, that Jake is the alter that Mark comes up with to, you know, take the beatings and deal with the trauma. And that's why when we do see Jake, or rather we don't see him until the very last episode, but the effects of Jake coming out are usually bloody and violent. So what if Randall had survived and just wandered off into the sewer and was found by, like a child aid worker and eventually he grows up and becomes like this cult leader, you know, worshiping this Egyptian God, you know, Amit, who's the other big bad in the series. I mean, that would have worked a hell of a lot better than just taking this name and doing all the cool shit. I mean, we still love Ethan Hawke's performance, but ultimately, they could have done something more consequential, right? Well, you don't talk about consequences. I mean, you have Amit show up and literally gobble up thousands of souls, and there's no talk of repercussions in the show. It's just the show's over. The show's over. 
Yeah, and and that's another big thing. Uh, that that is the probably the biggest thing that I have a problem with in terms of the writing of the show. Because you know me, folks, visually it's okay, acting it's okay. It's the writing that's usually the main culprit, and not because we don't know. Like we know it's in the Marvel universe. We see on Steven's night table at home, he's got a book about Asgard and you know the history of Wakanda, and there's other little mentions of Marvel Cinematic Universe concepts sprinkled here, there, and everywhere. But we don't know where in the cinematic timeline is it before the snap or after the snap. And I think Amit coming out and then just all of a sudden... Did it bother you when, okay, Harrow could do the judging thing with the cane swinging and you know, judging a person's soul, right? Like, that that was okay when he did it, because that was just his thing. But did it make your blood boil where every member of the cult could literally just reach out and touch somebody and judge them like that? Like, it, it, what sense does that make? It doesn't establish limits to things. Like, like if Harrow had it, like, Harrow in this movie is supposed to have been steeped deep in Egyptian gods for years. So he might have picked up a few tricks. He might have he might have learned a couple of things. He might have learned some ancient spells or uh or ancient rituals knowledge. or rituals or some sort. So yeah. and the reason why he's able to uh hold such a hold over these people is because he's using his knowledge in the wrong way. He's using it as a way to to trick them into believing that he has the answers. That is the beginning of a good idea there. Yeah. But and then so, when, so, when they take it out and they make it to, oh, anyone can use it, then all of a sudden it's not special. Why, why are they following him if anyone that can just learn it? There's not even a throw in, now that Ahmed is free, you are all able to judge others. Like, that would have at least made some sense, not complete sense. So I, I think personally... While it's the repercussions are not there and it's never really discussed, I think the lack of any knowledge of aftermath is I think it's after the snap, like or post uh, post end game, at least because to me that would at least explain to some extent why there isn't this, you know, like whatever the new World Security Council task force, you know, shield or sword or whatever the frick you want to call it why nothing came down on egypt like a ton of bricks because clearly thousands of people just dropped dead for apparently no reason you know and then we'll blame the superheroes yeah that's it like there, there's no sense of repercussion and i definitely think for you know as cool as was to see the kaiju like battle of amit and Khonshu outside the great pyramids visual does not sell the story consequences sell the story to some yes. extent we don't get that and um, and again it's you know Amit swallowed gobbled up thousands of souls so even though Amit is in the end defeated it doesn't feel like a victory it's a at best it's pyrrhic it's a pyrrhic victory at best but it's being treated as a win in this narrative, and that's confusing to me. Um, we don't watch superhero movies and stories to watch a hero at the very best break even. I mean, you know, heroes are the characters that you know everyone needs a hero. We 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 watch them and we we you know we want to root for them. We want to see them succeed we want to you know yes there should be a story arc where they fail where they where they pick themselves back up the climax is the success not the break even yeah and that's why i was so disappointed by the fight in the sixth episode the final episode now i did like how through the events of uh i i did like was it uh, mohammed diabs did say that the the first and second, third and fourth, fifth, six episodes are all their own little mini movies in turn to in that sense of narrative, and and I I go with that idea. I think that's actually pretty accurate. But 
you know, we've had the teasing of Jake Lockley throughout the series. Like there's in the first episode where Steven wakes up with a broken jaw after falling outside of this castle window. And then where we first meet Harrow and, you know, he like, you know, glitches out. And when he comes back, there's like six bodies around him and his hands are all bloody. And we're led to assume that's Mark for while that happens in this first episode. But then we have in the third episode where Mark wakes up and he's just stabbed this guy. And he's like, did I, I didn't do that. Steven was that, you know, and he's like, hell no, that wasn't me. And they just, gl- again, bad writing. Cause they gloss over that. They really don't come back to it ever. And then we have, you know, we see the red sarcophagus in the fifth episode when they're going through the, Mark's headspace as he's dying in that pool of water in Alexander the Great's tomb, which I did enjoy that, the the whole Indiana Jones aspect. But when we finally meet Jake in the first episode, the only episode in the series that has the end credit scene, we miss it in the fight at the end of the sixth episode where Harrow's turned his crocodile cane into this like weird axe thing, and he's like channeling energy through moon night and sending it out to heavens presumably to reap even more souls for Amit and feed her more power he mark glitches out again and wakes up and every goon's laid to waste the market they were fighting in is wrecked even more and Layla's just looking at mark what the hell was that and just as a lifelong fan of action movies and comics we were cheated out of what could have been one of the best fight scenes in the Marvel cinematic TV shows that we could have had. I mean, I like the fights in Falcon and the winter soldier a lot, but man, this could have been so badass. where what is I'm just in my head. I call it what essentially the Jason Voorhees of Mark Spector comes out to play and just kicks all the ass. And I don't think that necessarily would have negatively affected the narrative, but you know, we're building up to this and then you guys, you know, pull the carpet out from under us and everything's fine. The villains are dead. No one's looking for reasons why all these people died. Finn. Like the fuck. Do you feel we were cheated out of an awesome set piece? I think we've been cheated out of lots of things because... Because the visuals from the last 10 years of the comic have definitely been used a lot. But just the visuals. Like, the Khonshu with the giant bird's head has been prevalent. And I think the last two, maybe three runs of Moon Knight in the comics have used that extremely heavily. Um, Yeah, that's uh, specifically from the Warren Ellis run. In uh, I think that was like 2014, which is also the series that first gave us uh, Mr. Knight, Mr. Knight, which and having read all of those comics, I don't know if Mr. Knight, it's simply I think it's simply a disguise for Mark to go out. It's not another alter. It's when he goes out as Mr. Knight. He's very calm. He's very reserved. He still kicks a lot of ass. But he's not Moon Knight. When he goes out as Moon Knight, that's when the crescent darts start flying and people start losing fingers. Mr. Knight so. is basically a way that he can interact with the other, with, with with the police and with law enforcement and without them calling upon uh, questioning why they're working with a vigilante. That, that was basically their workaround of how to get a Jim Gordon relationship with Mark Spector. Um, now... Honestly, uh, and, and the idea of Mr. Knight is he is basically all the suave, all the, all the, uh, you know, all the class, all the don't bring food in my car kind of attitude that all the previous versions, especially the Stephen Grant versions of Moon Knight had, and for him to be turned into what, 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 what how did Mark Spector put in the show a demented Colonel Psycho. Sanders? Psycho Colonel Sanders. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, the fight scene in the market where Mark and Steven keep switching back and forth. And, you know, I, I do like the visual of, uh, you know, the Moon Knight 
costume, you know, retracting in his body, and then, you know, you know, Psycho Colonel Sanders coming out to play. And the fight scene and the way Mr. Knight fight, that's very much out of the comics. That is that character. But the way they play Mr. Knight in the comics is he's a consulting detective character of sorts. Like, very much, when I say Sherlock Holmes, I don't mean legit novel Sherlock Holmes. I mean more like the uh, Johnny Lee Miller version we got with the um, Elementary series. But he's still very reserved, and, you know, he pulls his punches when he has to, but eventually goes just a little crazy. But, yeah, it's – we get the visuals. We The visuals are nice, but, again, it leads up to what you think is going to be this end of the third act, badass fight. You know, I on some scale, I think that fight would have been something like Peter versus Ego in Guardians Volume 2, like just this big dust-up. And like I said, I feel incredibly cheated that we did not get a Jake Lockley versus Arthur Harrow fight. Because you were clearly building towards that with the story and the visuals and everything. And then it's just like, and all of a sudden it's all over. Like, I feel like I would, it's not like I was only watching this series to see Jake Lockley kick somebody's ass. But the fact that we were very much promised this fight. And, I just have to add that Jake Lockley is a promise to people who know who Jake Lockley is or people who have read a Wikipedia article or watched comic tropes and be like, oh, there is another alter named Jake yeah. Lockley. I'm looking forward to it because I heard about it just five minutes ago. Um, if they were trying to tell Moon Knight is a story of like, let, let's get down to the bare basics. There's a guy named Mark Spector. Somehow in the desert, he comes across a a uh, a uh, temple temple of Khonshu and either wakes up from a coma was injured and wakes up or, or anything sort of thing or actually is mystically resurrected by Khonshu just pick whatever but somehow he has an event in the temple of Khonshu and decides to become the Moon Knight L let's say that that is the basis of the story now what do where do we go from there we can go anywhere there do we do we go the full pseudo batman route do we go in the mystical realm route the problem is is i just i just simplified moon knight down to the bare basics of of what are the bones and the problem is is people are looking at the several different series that came out between Moon Knight was first released to now, specifically the last 10 years more than anything else, and tried to take the visuals, the names, and vague parts of the storylines and cobble them together into a limited miniseries. Which also basically tells us that as much as whatever amount of faith on you know the one to five scale this is not even a two this is like 1.5 to a two at best yes they took what is most prevalent in moon knight's history they take his origin but then they try to cram everything from the warren ellis run you know in uh was it 2014 yes. and everything going forward like there is so much from that warren ellis run you know, got mr knight bird skull conchu we got that we got the uh moon knight run from 2016 where whole swaths of the jeff lemire story about which is very much focused on where like sorry focus on that's very much where we get the mental asylum headspace that we get in episodes five and six and there's even that scene where mark and steven hug is ripped almost directly from the comics because by the end of that series moon knight still has did but he's Working come together. to an understanding and, and yeah he's put more together he's come to an understanding with his alters and you know he wants to get well or get better than he is which is something they do talk about in the current series and that one you don't even see like jake or steven it's just mark although times when he's nicer that's probably steven and times where he's putting bloody fist to somebody's ass that's uh that's jake 
but that's the greatest that's the problem with these writers is like they try to take they take the origin which is cool and we all agree that moon knight origin is cool i i would have liked it if you know they had two or three different passports with Stephen grant and jake lockley and it's mark talks constantly to layla about you know his deal with Konshu. but they make it so much like just that this is his origin he gets he gets into the service of Conchu, he has powers and this ancient mummy wrappings armor suit that heals him and off to the races. But they miss the point. What I feel is they miss the point of Moon Knight is he's potentially nuts, but he's just this man going out there with all these gadgets and fighting crime. It occasionally comes into some weird spooky stuff, but it's not part and parcel that was what was great about the 1980s series that was great about the very early years of the 90s series and even elements of the 2006 series where the question isn't is moon knight crazy the question is is he crazy but is he telling the truth about Konshu? that was the great that was a, is he telling is the moon god of egypt actually running a game on mark specter is he actually all this or is he just literally that nuts and again it's like there's so much weight in just the stuff in the past 10 years and that is a hindrance in my opinion because again you have mark specter temple of Khonshu, it could be miraculous resurrection could be just woke up from a coma your pick woke up from injuries your pick and then he becomes the Moon Knight. Do whatever you want from there. You don't have to be beholden to anything else. But everything, but they were beholden to everything else. They threw stuff in there just to get the name recognition. They threw stuff in there to get the visual recognition. Could they have made this series without throwing in Mr. Knight at all? Yes. Would, did Mr. Knight do anything other than get the fanboy squeal? No. Um... It could have been very easily just Stephen donning the ceremonial robes. And that would have been just fine. It was, again, a visual choice for the member Barry. Um, I just, I feel like I regret now saying all those years for Moon Knight, shoot like Memento, because the first episode tried that and it didn't work. It, they, 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 they didn't stick the landing. They landed like with a stumble. It wasn't a face fault. It wasn't a uh, you know a, a face fault, but it was definitely a stumble. Um, face plant, you mean? Yeah, it wasn't a face plant, but it was definitely a stumble. And I feel like so much better could have been done if they just stripped it back to that concept: Temple of Konshu, Mark Specter. Go from there. Do anything you want don't be beholden to names don't be beholden to visuals other than just moon knight's costume just do whatever you want you could do a story where where it's pure egyptian gods you could do a story where it's the undead and and mark is using ancient uh, relics to handle the undead because of because the egyptian mythology is steeped with ceremonies for the dead and, and that's even something from the Warren Ellis series where there's a story where, you know, he's got to deal with these ghost punks terrorizing people in NYC and he goes into this room in the back of Grant Manor and finds like, I don't even remember buying this stuff. And there's this whole like mini warehouse full of stuff. And he just happens to have this ancient Egyptian samurai-esque armor that allows him to punch ghosts. And I mean, that could have been like the sacred costume like he finds that costume in alexander the great's temple or in his tomb when he comes back and then uses that in the final battle and he could have just been like dressed all in white and the mr knight thing could have been again we're, we're trying to rewrite the show folks and that's only because we wanted better <laughs> we deserved better i mean it's you're either like moon knight because you're somebody like me who enjoys the comics and you wanted it to be better than it actually is. I mean, there's again, a lot of stuff that I like in this show, but I will admit it's, it's like the Batman. There's a lot of good stuff there, but again, the writing has let us down. 
or you could be like Joe Q public who just knows Marvel from the movies and you're probably watching this as, oh my god this is the greatest thing in my life or, which or is fair Joe Q public who watched comic tropes and is like oh I heard these names I heard Mark Spector I heard Stephen Grant and I heard the third name and now I'm waiting for the third well, name I, I think there's show a larger I... number of people that are watching this and probably loving the show because they have no basis in this character before he shows up here and that's fine. I mean, if you didn't know about the comics, or even if you knew about the comics, but you knew next to nothing about Moon Knight, you, and you enjoy the series as much as you do, that's fine. I I liked it a lot, too. I very much enjoyed Tawarit in there, and, you know, big, cuddly Egyptian hippo goddess. Like, I'm cool with that, but as Ben described earlier, not the character that should have come out there. I mean, it could have been an Anubis-like creature and still had that voice i mean that would have been closer to the mark but you know it is what it is i mean overall i think what they did with moon knight here is more in line with and respectful of what's come before in the comics than any of his animated appearances i mean there was uh you know marvel spider-man from 2017 you all know how much we love that show uh, he showed up in there in a few episodes, I think in the second or the third season. He's just this angry man living in a sewer, and Peter eventually gets him to put the costume back on and fight evil again. And the only other uh, sign of Moon Knight be before that was in, uh, what was that, Avengers Assemble during the uh, Secret Wars arc where you meet moon knight and he's like yeah i get my power for the moon i work for the god of the moon and he's voiced by uh oswald from drew carey and he actually fucking oswald, fucking oswald. yeah he, he does he doesn't do a half I'm, I'm making, I, I think i think i think uh, i think Diedrich bader is a fantastic voice actor and no one should yeah. downplay him i'm just making a reference for from a very bad man that we both knew yeah Matman does eat nachos, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, I mean, all in all, folks, it if you want to get into Moon Knight the series, go hard. I don't think there's anything wrong with the series. That It's not wrong to the extent that you should, like, this is not a Super Mario Brothers movie level bad. It's okay. I enjoyed it. It was all right, but you know, it's probably going to be like WandaVision in the event that I really like WandaVision. I'm not going to be in an all fired hurry to watch it again. If I were to recommend anything, Ben, and to our listeners, I would recommend, uh, you know, the original 80s series, the uh, two mini series from the late 90s, and most of the Moon Knight stuff from 2006 onward is perfectly all right. I mean, granted, um, Moon Knight 2006 and Vengeance of the Moon Knight in 2009 both tie very heavily into the then ongoing Civil War slash uh, Dark Reign uh, line-wide storyline. So, you know, it could have been better if they weren't involved at all, but most of the Moon Knight comics are okay. I just really don't recommend that 90s series because, oh boy, if there was a trope in 90s comic books, you could find it in Moon Knight at one point or another. Pretty much, yeah. But uh, I don't think I can recommend the Disney Plus show. I, I don't think I can. It's uh, It feels disjointed and convoluted and, and wasn't sure where it's going. Um, but that's, that's my review. Um, character is somewhat interesting to me but i feel like even with as limited as his appearances are he he has a lot of weight and continuity that people feel obligated to include anytime be it a new comic series be it a, a a streaming adaptation it just feels like anytime he shows up people feel be, felt beholden to try to include at least five things from five different points in him and they should have approached it, like I said, you just go back to the basics, you know. Temple of Khonshu, Mark Spector wakes up in it, decides to become the Moon Knight. Go anywhere else from there, 
use that as a jumping off point. Yeah. I mean, if I were very briefly to rewrite the series, I would go with Ben's idea that, you know, the classic origin, he wakes up, he puts the cloak on, he goes out to fight crime and just have it more of a action thriller where, you know, Mark Spector has been spotted over the years all around the world, but there's also reports of this, moon night and like what kind of moron runs around dressed all in white and you could have some sort of a mystery here but it's you know they lean way too much into the magical mystical parts of marvel i mean to the point that i don't think every bad mystical threat in the marvel universe has to have the same energy uh about them but apparently that's that's marvel's thing now if they have that weird purplish energy like that well they're bad yeah and the other thing i have to add about that is uh is they have the council of the other avatars and uh i noticed bastard did not show up well yeah because she's chilling in wakanda i i think that i think they should have at least made an attempt but uh anyways uh, that's our review that's our final thoughts of this show's been JT from Saskatoon. And we're saying goodnight. So long. Peace out. <laughs> that was the show. <laughs>